Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Thank you tonight for the privilege and the honor to find ourselves in your house, surrounded by your people, listening to your word. This is a place of honor to be sitting at your table as you prepare before us a banquet table and reveal to us your heart and your secrets. We pray, Father God, that your word would be a good seed planted in our hearts that would grow forth a harvest and fruits that will glorify you forever. Allow us to understand your word and to walk in your purpose and to see your realities, O oh God. We want to live as you created us to live and you have picked this last generation for world-changing warriors. You have picked the time and season for every man to be upon the face of the earth and you have picked this time, the end of the age, so that your sons that love you with all their hearts, all their mind and all their strength will stand up and be champions and heroes and giants upon the land, mighty men and women of God who fulfill your pleasure, O oh God. Live for your glory. Father, we give you thanks for your word that gives us a lamp unto our feet and is a light unto our path so that we might understand. And as we meditate upon your word, we prosper. As we meditate on your word, open the eyes of our understanding, fill us with your spirit, and lead us on the way we should go. Prosper your word in the hearts of your people, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. It sounds weird, but God has chosen that through the meditation of this book, we would have clarity in our existence. Without the Bible, we don't know if we're monkeys or Martians. We don't know if we're pirates or we're supposed to be building pyramids. We would be lost. We would be in darkness. But the Bible says in Psalm 1, the man who walks not in the counsel of ungodly people, Psalms 1.1, the person who decides not to take his advice from the ungodly, and you guys know who that is, our friends who don't want to know about God, don't go to God, is a blessed man, the one who takes not his advice from the ungodly, nor does he stand in the path of sinner, nor does he sit down to gather with those that mock. And those that mock are the ones that don't want to hear about God, they don't want to know how to fix their life, and they're crying the whole time because their life is a mess. And so, but he says in verse 2, but his delight is in the law of God. That's where he, he derives his pleasure from knowing the boundaries of God because the boundaries of God are boundaries of blessing and peace and joy. And if you don't like suffering, this is a good place to be with respect to living life like it's supposed to and not upside down. And his law is our meditation day and night. Um, I don't want to exaggerate, but I possibly read 10 to uh, 12 hours of the Bible per week. And I want to get in it, and I'm always listening to a tape. I'm listening to a Bible study. I'm listening to a preacher. I'm, I'm in the Word of God. If you sit down with me during the course of our conversation, I'll pull that Bible out on you three or four times. The other day, we went to the ring ceremony with my son, and I was sitting there trying to pay attention, but God was continuing to reveal and, and bring his Word and give a powerful revelation of who he is and what he wants upon the earth. And so the word of God begins to uh, open our eyes, and that's our delight. And it says if we do that, we'll be a tree planted next to the water. We'll give forth fruit, and we will prosper in everything we do. So it's there that Revelations 1, verse 3, the last book of the Bible says, Blessed is the man who reads aloud the words of the prophecy of this book. There's a blessing for those who read the Bible. It's the bestseller of all time. When you go to prison, everybody doesn't grab a math book or a science book. They all grab the Bible. Because the Bible will give you peace in the midst of the most horrendous situations in your life. 
Those who hear and read the word of the prophecy of this book and keep the things which are written in it, not only read it, not only hear it, but keep those words written in it for the time draws near. And then Revelations 22, 18 says, I warn everyone of you that hear the words of this book, do not add anything to it and do not take away anything from it. For anyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to the things, God will add to him plagues. If you add to the word of God, philosophy, uh, religion, you're going to be missing the boat. And if you take away, the the next verse says, anyone who takes away from the words of this book, God will take away from his part of the book of life, the holy city, and the things which are written. God doesn't want you to add to the book. The Mormons added a whole other book, the Book of Mormon, to the Bible. And so the Jehovah Witnesses also go and doctor the Bible and add to it. But do not add to the Bible, bueno, mi abuelita me decía, my grandma used to tell me, and you add that as scripture. No, take that out, unless plagues come upon you. It's the words of the book that allow you to be blessed and prospered. So we start out tonight with the promise of going through the book of Acts, because there it is, right after Jesus left, starts the story of these men who were supposed to live in this world. And now Jesus is gone. And he, he had remembered, he had, reto- he had told them certain things. And we'll start out with Acts chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, This, I, I begin to tell you what took place formerly. Real important that whenever you're going to do anything, you have to start with a past. Whenever I talk to somebody about the Lord, I tell them where I came from, I tell them where I was at, otherwise they can't appreciate the beginning. If you don't know where you came from, you don't know where you're going. So I I want you to start somewhere. The former account, there has to be something that was before now. And that's how the writer of Acts starts. He starts talking about the things that were on the past because we're going to build on that. And if you don't have a settled past, it's hard for you to go forward. It's really hard for you to go forward if you're always thinking about the back. Some preachers have said it's almost like living life, driving a car, trying to know where you're going by looking at the rearview mirror. You're going to crash. You need the past to know where you came from, but you're not going to stay there. You're going to go forward to what God has for you. Don't get stuck on the past. There's still some people who say, well, I was three years old and my mom dropped me. Okay, that's fine, but you know, you're 45 and now you're walking on your own, so get over it. Wellington Boone's uh, wife tells him, hey, brother, build a bridge and get over it. (laughs) All right, what's this happening in my life? Hey, build a bridge, get over it. Go on. Go on. Don't stay there. Don't get stuck. So the former accounts that that existed, and Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 14, he says, Jesus answered them, if I'm telling you my story... Jesus answered them, even if I bear witness of myself, I'm telling you who I am and where I come from. My witness is true, for I know where I came from. How many have a past? Brother, your past needs to be well known. If you don't know your past, you're bound to repeat it. If you don't know the hole you fell in, and you say, I I just forgot where that was, you're going to fall again. So you need to know your past very well, and you need to tell it like it is. And then some people tell me, I had a pretty good upbringing. Uh, and I'm like, brother, get into it and describe it like it was. Your dad was sorry, your mom was worse, and your family was destruction. 
You need to define that. When we got saved and started, my parents started telling me all our relatives, man, da-da-da-da, they're kooky and they're spooky. See something? We don't tell people what we were. So when you don't tell somebody who you were, say with me, were, because God's not going to keep you there, then you're bound to keep it a secret and keep on living that. The Bible says you, you once were homosexual. You once were liars. You once were, were uh, thieves and, and, and corrupt. We'll get there now, but let's go back to that, to that verse, John 8, 14. He says, I know where I come from and where I'm going. I'm not going to stay back there. I know where I went, but I know where I'm going. And you do not know where I come from and where I am going. So you don't have a clue. What's my motivation? And people, they look at me and they say, why does this guy want to be a pastor? Listen, I don't want to be a pastor. I want to do the will of God. I want to find out where God wants me to be, and I'm going there. But weren't you a, a, a lawyer? Yeah, I was a lawyer. I know where I was. I know where I'm going. I know where I was. I know where I'm going. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verse um, 10, 9. Let's start at 9. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. He says, do you not know that people that don't do things right will never come to the kingdom? Don't be deceived. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, and sodomites. Those are pretty twisted people if we get into them. But these are all these guys that are not going to ever do the will of God. The next thing, it says, verse 10, it's not thieves, it's not the greedy, it's not those who get drunk, it's not those who like to fight, it's not those that like to abuse people and extort and kidnap. None of these guys will ever come to live the life of God because these are imitations to God's reality. All these things, people are getting pleasure out of doing the things the wrong way. Well, God wants everything that those things represent in his spirit, in his time, so that you might be satisfied and whole. If you're going to look for another woman while you're married, it's because you lack something. You're empty. But when you're in the purpose of God, living like a man, you don't have to go get another woman because you're full. And so as he lists all these people that are going into an imitation lifestyle of their purpose, verse 11 says, such were some of you. And that's where I, I, I can say that was me. That list of all that craziness was me. And I didn't stay on that. I moved forward. But, but, say but, but. you were washed you were separated, and you were brought close to the Lord through his name and his spirit. His name and his spirit has, has done a work in your life. Uh, somebody told me the other day, hey, man, you really changed my uncle. He was totally there. I said, I didn't change your uncle. The spirit of God did. The name of Jesus did. He's been born again. Something supernatural has happened to him. It's not me. It's not me. And all glory be to God. So he starts out with the former things. And I, I suggest you know your past really good or else you're going to be lost in a desert going around in circles. Things that happened before you got here tonight. We should know them. And that should be a foundation. We build on that. Psalm 11.3. You're not a Christian because you just, I got, I don't, listen, I'm a Christian because I was about to go insane. So when you put things in perspective, people say, oh, okay, <laughs> that's fine. The other day, Oscar went to a gathering of family members, and they said, you want a beer? He says, oh, you don't want to give me a beer. And they said, why not? He says, because if you give me a beer, I'm going to beat you up and take your wife. <laughs> it's okay. He said, don't drink then. You know, Oscar, he knows his past. He, he doesn't want to go there. That's not what he, he knows what he used to be, and now he's moving somewhere else. 
And so if you know your past, you're not going to bound to repeat it. But if the foundations don't exist, what can you ever do? If you don't confess that you're wrong, you could never be right. If you don't agree that you were in rebellion and disobedience and you were full of anger and, and, and upset about life, you're not going to get started. You're still there. So that's why he says, that I've given you a former account, uh, going back to Acts 1.1, and we're going real slow, but we're going to enjoy Acts. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be here like 10 years. That was just the first part, the former account. How many got good stuff out of the book of Acts tonight? See? We're in the word, and God is transforming us. We know the past. We're ready to go on with the future. The past is settled, and it built a foundation for what God has for us in the future. We don't have to stay in the past. It doesn't have to, we don't have to recreate it all the time. And then he says, I've, the former account that I talked to you about, O Theophilus. Okay, this book is not for us. It's for Theophilus. Well, let me just tell you, Theophilus means beloved ones, and God loves you. And he's writing this book to you. Theophilus means the God who is is loving to the beloved. And I don't know about you, but one of the things that has me inspired about continuing being a Christian is the love of God. I, I enjoy the embrace of God in my life from the rising of the sun until it's going down. No one could ever make me cheat on God. Because I don't want to lose his embrace. I don't want to lose his love. And everything else is a cheap thrill to the depth and reality of a man that is so amazingly real in my life because I'm not into a religion. I'm not into a mechanical religious practice. I have a relationship with a man that I love and he loves me and I'm passionate about being faithful to him. Passionate. A man who gave his life for me. He died for me. And, and he, he, he was amazingly powerful in his showing forth the love that he has. And so he says, O Theophilus, O beloved people, I've, we've already dealt with the past, you beloved people, all that Jesus began, say with me, began. Because it's not over. This is not a historical account of something that happened in the past. That was just the start. And you're supposed to ride this through to the finish. See the acts of Jesus, not only the ones that he began, but the ones he continues to do. And you get in that line of lepers. You get in that line of sick. You get in that line of the blind and of the poor. And let Jesus touch you. Because you're the continuing work of the Spirit of God. You are an expression. The only book in the whole Bible that doesn't have an amen at the end of it is the book of Acts. Why? Because he's still working. He's writing that book now, and you're in that book. Your life is in that book, and he's writing the the acts of those that believe God, the the life story of those of us that are living out this truth. It's the only book in the Bible without the amen in the New Testament. So there we go. He's writing to us, and he talks about the things that Jesus uh, began to both do and to teach. The, The two things are important. He began to do things that he did and he taught. I hope that the work that God is doing in your life is not about just you, but that you're leaving a legacy. Because he could have done a lot of things and you and I would be lost. He not only did, but he left it for the next generation in teaching it. And the greatest travesty there is upon the planet earth are parents who live their Christianity and taught their kids nothing. It's my experience. I'm going to be a part of what Jesus is doing in my life, but I'm not going to teach my children a legacy of a lifeline for them to live in their marriage. 
successfully and prosperously in peace. So knowing Jesus is not only a personal experience about leaving a legacy. Make sure that when you're walking in God and thank God. How many thank God that the Bible was left for us? If these guys just lived the Bible and threw it away, what would happen with us? What, what book would you pick to learn how to live your life out of if the Bible did not exist? Any suggestions? 50, gray, uh, 50 degrees of gray or whatever it's called? 50 grades of gray or God knows what? Harry Potter? Which one would you pick? There's a lot of junk out there. And so thank God that there was people that not only lived their Christian life, but they nailed it down and passed it to the next generation. Do not depart from the words of this book, my son. They'll give you peace. They'll give you courage. It's, it's a faith that is passed down. Timothy, the faith that was in your grandmother that came to your mom and now is passed down to you. Thank God. I know what it is to be passed down generational curses. How many say amen? amen. I know a mom that teaches her daughter how to hate her husband and, and the, that daughter teaches a granddaughter how, how to kick a, uh, you know, uh, how to abuse a man and, and despise him. I know that. The, the, the stuff that's passed down to us. I know a womanizing man who teaches his sons, you know something, your, your wife is going to be your worst enemy. I know that. We've seen that. But we have decided that we're walking a path that we're only, we're going to do these things, experience it, and then we're going to turn around and teach them. And some people are, are horrible teachers. I give them a, a pristine glass of water, okay? This is, this is me, this, and, and pristine, and it's dream. And some people take Christianity, and they satisfy themselves with the substance, and then all of a sudden, they spit in it, and they offer it to the next person. Instead of offering what you've received, which is pure, which has washed you, you turn around and give something with urine in it, something that has waste. And that's not what you're supposed to do. We're supposed to consume and turn around and give the same uh, transparent presence to the next generation. Do and teach until he did these things until the day. Say with me, day. day. You only have to worry about today. How many had a good day? I had a great day. That's the measure of our portion. If you go past the day, you get into worry and anxiety. And the Bible says, do not worry about tomorrow. For each day will bring its own worry. So God has perfected and trained me. I'm not thinking about Thursday or Friday or Saturday. I'm thinking about today. This is the measure of my peace. And when I live in the boundaries of today, I have peace. And Psalm 118 verse 24 says, this is the week this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. I'm not going to let anybody take. This is the day the Lord has made, and in that I will rejoice and be glad. And it's been a good day. I remember early on as a Christian, I used to worry. I said, Lord, he says, what? I'm worried. What about tomorrow? Why? Because I only have $300 in my bank account. And he says, well, do you need some more? Not today. And then he says, don't worry. I'll take care of tomorrow. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. Give us the portion of today's due on today's season at the time that I'm living. And a lot of us are living for our 401k, our retirement, our, our grandchildren, grandchildren, our property that grows interest. Listen to me, my friend. You might die tonight and rest in peace because it's over. Somebody says, hey, what if I die? The little old ladies used to come and do their wills at my office. He says, I want to hold on to my money, and then I want to make sure my son marries the right daughter, and then she, if he doesn't, I'm not going to give him. I, I was like, die. 
Bye. Get, go. Go into eternity. Enjoy the angels, heaven, the glory. Why are you going to still manage the matriarchal terror of hell on the earth? Let it come to an end. Die. But they wanted to grab the, the pen and write their wills, and they wanted to control from the coffin. CC, control from the coffin. No. Rest in peace. Live your day. Rejoice. And so he says, until the day, verse 2, in Acts 1-2, it says, until the day, and remember that and meditate upon that. This is the day the Lord's made, in which he was taken up. I love that word, taken up. You know what I would not like to hear? Taken down. How many want to go downstairs? I want to get, I, listen, I was 16, and I was stuck on stupid, and everything was upside down in my life. But when my little cousin, who was nine years old, stood in front of me and told me, Joaquin, you're going to hell. I started shaking. I started worrying, and I said, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't know anybody that wants to go to hell for eternity. And so thank God that until the day he was taken up, we know that where he went, we're going to go. He's taken up, we're going to take up. After and through the Holy Spirit, uh, the whole work in our lives, even though we're not acknowledged, and, and Wellington Boone said this, the entire work of God in our lives is done by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everything is God on earth. It's not the Father, it's not the Son, it's His Spirit. And he says, it's necessary that I go so that the Father might send the Holy Spirit so you're not an orphan. Because this spirit will be a spirit of a father. Galatians 4, uh, verse 4. It says, the spirit that we have received, verse 6. Galatians 4, 6. Because you are sons, because you're his sons, God has sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, and it cries out, daddy, daddy. I don't know about you, but I love to be a son. And I love to be a good son. And I love that spirit that's always correcting me and it's teaching me. And I have a father 24-7 that's just right in my, over me. It's all over me. And so that's what he did in Acts chapter 1. And we were reading there in verse 2. Until the day he went up to heaven and all of a sudden he was, uh, through the Holy Spirit, he spoke the commandments to them. Look at this two-phase scenario. The Holy Spirit, an invisible presence. The commandments, a physical presence. How many know Christians that are so spiritually in tune, they're no earthly good? I had a vision last night. I had the Spirit of God woke me up, rose me off my bed, shook me around. And these people never obey the Word of God. They're the weirdest people in the world. They don't have a connection with the Spirit that allows them to keep the commandments. And there, the work that Jesus does, he says, after he was taken up, through the Holy Spirit had given commandments. Your spiritual experience needs to be tied to the word of God. Amen. You can't, like a guy walked into church about 10 years ago. He says, I had a dream. I said, really? Yeah, God revealed to me his secrets. I said, really? I said, let me ask you a question. Is that all in the Bible? And he goes, yeah. I said, good, because I don't need to hear it from you. If it's in the Bible, I'm going to read it. I have a question for you. Where's your wife? Well, we got divorced five years ago. Where's your children? They're atheists. I go, listen, buddy, whatever you have that's not good enough for your wife and your children, we don't want it. If it hasn't been a blessing to your family, I don't care how high in revelation and experience that you're, oh, 
Okay? He, through the Spirit, gave him the commandments. Tie those two things together, your spiritual experience and your commandments. Some people are so spiritual, they don't even come to church. They're so spiritual, they don't know how to get together as a church and serve. And who did he give the, through the Spirit? He gave the commandments to who? Does anybody know? To the apostles. God is not going to get his precious things and give them to an idiot. I don't think any one of us would. I wouldn't take a $20 bill and give it to a little one-year-old so he sits there and, and breaks it up. He's, he's not equipped. And so God is not going to give ministry to immature people. He gave it to mature people. And so the only thing you can't speed up in life, you know what it's called? Maturity. You don't get to eighth grade, it doesn't matter how smart you are, at the age of five. It requires maturity. It requires a process. It, requires, it doesn't matter how fast you want to go. You've got to take your time because God is going to entrust, say with me, entrust, mature people. It's like, you know, if you, a friend of yours has a Ferrari, he's not going to let you borrow it unless he knows you're not going to crash it. If you have precious jewels and, and costly stuff, you don't put it into the hands of a fool. So 2 Timothy 2.2 says like this. It says, that which you have received... The things you have heard from me, Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy, the things you've heard from me, commit them. The word commit is entrust these to faithful men who will have the capacity to teach others. So Paul is teaching Timothy that will put it in faithful man's hands that will be able to teach others. There's four lines of people here. Okay, so I learned from the guys who taught me I was faithful. Then I teach the guys who are faithful so they could teach the guys who are faithful. And none of this is supposed to pass down to a, a total imbecile, a, a, a foolish man, an unstable man, a man who's not going to take care of those precious things. And so if you ask me how is it that God's going to prepare you to be one that could be trusted, go into training, go into maturity. Go into that experience so you could be found as one of the ones that he gives this to. Because the Bible says that he had entrusted this to these men called the apostles. Gave through his spirit the commandments to the apostles. Malachi chapter 2 verse 7. Who are these guys that will be entrusted with the works and the ministry and, and be the princes of God upon the earth that will, will teach the nations the truths of God? Faithful men. And he says, the lips of these people will keep my word. Because the most horrible thing that could happen is God teaches you something and you turn around and teach something else. And they would teach you two plus two is four and you turn around to your kid and say, it's whatever. Just write something there. We got to go to sleep. That's not how you teach. You teach what you've been taught. And the lips of the men of God will keep his knowledge. And it says, and everyone, all people should seek that word from his mouth. For that is a messenger of God. One, one who, who twists the message is not a faithful messenger. And so God's not going to reveal uh, his purpose and his secrets for you to distort them. And uh, those that, that do that get really twisted in their experience. Well, how do these people get to be the faithful? And it's the next verse, Acts 1. And we're reading verse 3. It says... No, verse 2. He, through the Holy Spirit, gave commandments to his apostles who he chose. Everybody wants to be a messenger of God. Everybody wants to have a ministry, but nobody wants to be faithful. 
Everybody wants to start saying, okay, I, I got my ministry. Well, where'd you get your ministry? Well, I just had a dream last night and God gave me a ministry. Well, wait a second. He doesn't give ministries to people who fall asleep after eating pizza. This is people who've walked with God because God wants people that have, have related with God. I was telling this afternoon, I was talking to Alex. And I said, Alex, what I have is not religion. I don't have, I'm not part of a system. I'm not part of a religious regimen. I have a walk with God. I have a relationship with him. I'm not, I'm not on automatic pilot. I'm not trying to impress somebody because I'm on a spiritual regimen, a spiritual journey. No, no, no. I have a relationship with God, and we see this in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1, where it explains where men of God come from. Hebrews 5, 1. Every man of God is taken from among men. So he doesn't grab a monkey. He doesn't grab a bear or a grizzly. Amongst us that are just mere men, he brings us, it says, is taken among men, appointed, set apart for men. Our lives are a blessing to men. As we've allowed God to do something with our life that other men are blessed by. So they're taken from among men, appointed for men in the things that concern God. I don't teach people how to run relay races. I don't teach them how to lift weights. I don't teach them basketball. I don't teach them law. I teach people how to serve God, how to know God, how to be those things related, pertaining to God. These guys are taken and they're prepared for men for things pertaining to God. So I got invited to a boxing match about a year ago, two years ago, and I saw the owner of the boxing ring, and I went up to him, and I said, listen, man, you're going to hell, man. You need to get right with God. And the guy that invited me says, why are you doing this? Because I tell him, this is what I do. I mean, what's the boxer doing? He's boxing. I'm preaching. I'm a preacher. I got invited to the Miami Heat game. I got seats in the front court, and I saw George Perez, Mr. True Trump of the Caribbean, and I went up to him and said, if you die tonight, you're going to hell, mister. You better talk to me. You better talk to me. You better get right with God. And he looked at me like I'm, I'm insane. I said, here's my card. Talk to me. Because I will help you get right with God. I will help you be delivered from uh, eternal hell. So these men are appointed by God for the things pertaining to God so that they might offer the gifts and the sacrifices for sin. Verse 2. And this is not something... Uh, He says, he can have compassion towards the ignorant. I don't care how twisted you are. I've been there. I've been really, really twisted. So people come to my office all the time and say, I killed my wife. I say, I understand. I completely understand. And so when you are coming from the sewer, from the ghetto, nobody that tells you anything, I've had guys tell me I'm gay, I'm a pedophile, I I stole from my mother-in-law. It doesn't matter, brother. I know, I know where we are without God. And it says he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and those going astray, those that losing their way. I, I know, I feel for them because I was lost. I was ignorant. And so that's who God pulls us out of. And Paul says, I'm the worst of all sinners. Man, he, he just said, look, you know something? Uh, Wellington Boone, around the, the world, he, he says, look, you might think you came from the ghetto, but I came from the gutter ghetto from the ghetto gutter (laughs) you were in the hood but I was in the sewer and that's where God found me and cleansed me and made me a prince in the nations so it doesn't matter how low like that song says how low can you go 
We could go real low, but the issue is that God wants to bring us up, and he's able to. And he appoints men like me so people could identify. And um, I've had people sit in front of me and say, man, if you could be a pastor, I can too. And I'm, I'm super excited because you can too. The same way I did, the same process. My favorite verse in the Bible is 1 Samuel 2.8 where it says God took us from the gutter. What it says, the ash heap where people used to throw away their crap. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap. Some translations say the dung hill. You took a crap in those days. There was no bathroom. There was no plumbing. You were in a bucket. You went out to the dung hill and you just swacked all the crapola right there. That's where God found me. That's where God found me. And the Bible says from there, he lifts you up to set you as a prince among his people to inherit a throne of glory, to do an amazing work in our lives. And that's the power of the gospel. He chooses the vile and the the twisted things in this world. Going back to Hebrews 5 verse 4. No, 5 verse 3. No, let's go to 2. We didn't finish 2. So he can have compassion on the ignorant. He could have compassion on those that keep on messing up because he's messed up. Since he himself is also subject to weaknesses, I'm just as bad as anybody. I'm just as gay. I'm just as twisted. I'm just as perverse. I'm just as immoral. And if I jump in the pool of mud, I'm just, I could kill. I could rape. I could pillage. I could abuse kids. I could molest. That's where God brings us from. And he says, he's subject to all these passions. Verse 3. Because of this, he knows what his weakness is. And I was telling people, I don't play with those things. If, if dirt and sin is over there, I want to get away from it. I told somebody today, I'm highly flammable. Some people could light a, a lighter and put it right here, and they continue to be normal. If you spark something two miles down the road, and it hits me, you know that the, the materials that highly flammable, I don't get close to sin because I know what our condition is. We're dirt. We were made from the dust of the earth, and any seed that falls in the dirt, it grows. Amen. Any seed that you allow to come in your life, you say, well, I'll never do that. Brother, if that seed comes in, you're going to grow that fruit. Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. So I make sure that I'm not around people that are sowing twisted seed and because of this he is required as for the people so also for himself to offer sacrifices i'm praying all day i pray for you i pray for me i pray for you and then i pray for me three times more so then it says verse four no one no man takes this honor for himself you can't just pick this up and say i'm going to do this no i didn't choose this i was faithful to god I walk seriously. No man takes this honor. I know a lot of people, hey, why don't you uh, let me be the pastor or let me be whatever, the minister. No, this is not something that, that I took upon myself. No man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God. It's just something supernatural that God appoints. It's something that God does. It's not something that you take up as a job, as a, your hireling. And so uh, we, we're here at verse 3. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, this is all the appointed passing down the Holy Spirit to the apostles. Let's go to verse 2 real quick. 
The commandments to the apostles he had chosen. So this is a choosing of God. And God will one day when he sees you faithful and when he sees you serious and when he sees you honor authorities. Because if you don't honor authorities here, when you go to a missionary trip, you're going to disrespect the people that you're serving there. If you don't honor in your house, don't come to church because you're not going to honor the people here. So he gives us places where we serve so that we could serve so that we could serve. And the greatest among us is he who serves the best. He who has a capacity to live caring for others. And then God will bring you and, and use you. Until the day, verse 3, he appointed these guys, he chose them, to whom he also presented himself alive. I want to mention this real quick. Jesus reveals himself to those people that are real. If you're a fraud, if you're faking your walk with God, he's not going to show up. I told God day one... If this is not real, I don't want it. I don't want to be thinking about being at a party when I'm at church. If I'm at church, I want it to be real. And so God's not going to reveal himself to a fraud, to a fake. He gives nothing to an unstable man who has double-minded. He's, I'll be a servant. No, I won't be a servant. I'll be a servant. No, I won't. He says, listen, I'm not going to even go there. So he revealed himself, presented himself alive, and there you see James chapter 4, verse 8, where he says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Draw near to God, make your efforts to move in that direction, he will cleanse you. He says, um, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He will cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Quit playing the fakey fakey, the hokey pokey. Quit, quit doing things that are not consistent. You say yes here when you're in the presence of God. You say no when you're somewhere else. And so God reveals himself to those people that are real. And then it says after his suffering, going back to Acts 1-3, and we're about to finish. To whom he presented himself real. He will present himself real to those people that found him. When the women went to the tomb, he showed up to them. When that scenario, uh, a lot of times uh, Thomas says, well, I don't believe it unless he, unless he proves himself. So it says there, he presented himself alive after his suffering. You got to really know what it cost him for us to be here tonight. By, say with me, many infallible proofs. How many think the pastor spent five years asking God, show me you're real? Show me you're real. I need to know that you're real. I can't be representing you if you're a fraud. I don't know if you want to be a salesman for a bicycle company that's putting together bicycles that don't work. I didn't want to do that. If I'm going to tell people about Jesus, it's because he's real. And so there's a great time and opportunity when you're getting to know God to tell him to show you his glory. That's my favorite song. Show me your glory. I want to see your face. I want to see that you're real. I want to see that you're authentic. When I'm out there telling a person that God is going to restore his marriage, I want to believe it. When I'm telling a sick person he's going to be healed, I want to believe it. Show me. And I spent five years asking God the impossible, the improbable. Many infallible proofs. Put God to the test. God says in is it Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that God is good. Can you offer somebody a Coke if it tastes like crap? No. Can you offer them food that, that, that tastes, your, your face is going to go, you want to taste something? taste something? If it's not real to you, how are you going to put it on to somebody else? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who puts fully confidence upon him. 
Lord, I want to jump off a building and you catch me. I, I, wanna, I want this to be foolproof. Even a fool could do it because I'm doing it. And God showed me a lot of miracles early on. And if you know something about your pastor, your pastor believes God can do all things, period. Amen. And call me two years ago. There's a little girl dying at the hospital. She has 15 minutes to live. Can you come and pray for her? Sure, I can. You know why I can go there? Because I know God still heals people. And he healed that little girl, and she did not die. And she came to church six months later, and her mom was showing her. And they were telling her she only had 15 minutes to live. So God has been real in my life a thousand percent. So by many infallible evidence of proof, God will show himself. Being seen by them 40 days, it's not just an overnight quick uh, fix. It's not just a spook. It's not if the stars line up, it's all the time, long term. It's been 29 years for me. And he was speaking things, speaking of things. Why does he speak things? Let's go to 1 John 5, 13. He says, I'm speaking, why is God speaking to us tonight? Because he wants us to know. Look what he says. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of Jesus so that you know that you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in his name. So why does God speak to us? Because he wants you to know who he is. He wants you to know what he has. And a lot of people say, why doesn't God speak to me? Because you're deaf and dumb. He is speaking to you. There's an entire book there that's called the word of God. How many times do you read it? You wake up and I told some people, you believe God speaks? I go, yes, listen to me. I go to see my horses and feed them, and I hear them when they say, take me out of this stall. I want to go out. When my, kid, when my dog runs over to the, to the door and he's shaking his tail and he's scratching the door, I know he's talking to me. Where does he want to go? Out. Things speak. We can see things. When people aren't talking to us, they're speaking to us. So God speaks, and he's faithful to lift up messengers and send them our way. And so it's important that we would line up with what God is speaking. Malachi 3.10, he says, test me now. If you don't test them, you can't see. If you don't try it, you won't like it. If you go drive a car to purchase it, you want to try it. You want to see if it fits. And God says, test me now. Try me now. I'm going to open the windows of the heaven and pour out so much blessing on you, you won't even have room for all I'm going to pour out. I used to read this verse. I used to get really upset. When is that going to happen? I told Jose Palma about six months ago, brother, it's happening. There's so much blessing in my life. I don't have room for it. There's so much peace. There's so much joy. There's so much goodness. It's surreal. So in that regards, we see God saying, test me. Test me now. Try me. Figure me out. Walk in that scenario. So um, speaking of these things, let's go back to first, um, Acts chapter 1, verse 3. And we'll finish here. We only did three verses tonight. Speaking of these things, every time God speaks to you, listen. Don't, don't let it fall on the wayside. Don't let anything fall. God is speaking from the rising of the sun until it's going down. I spent all day writing what God tells me. Lord, what, what is that? And I'll jot it down in a note. And what are you trying to tell me? And you know, he's, he's talking to me about things that, that are consistent with our responsibility to change the world. There's a lot of people listening to a lot of crap. My mom gave a Bible study one day. How many enjoyed the Bible study last Thursday night? It was powerful, right? She taught on the, on the Spirit, on the Holy Spirit, really powerful. If, if you didn't get a copy and you want one in English, order it at the bookstore. It's a powerful teaching 
on spirits and how they work. Okay, so one of the things is that, that God wants to speak to us, and she taught one time that, that because what God wants to tell us in the last days is so important that the devil is filling us up with crapola. Facebook, Twitter, rather the, read 50 messages in the Facebook and, and subscribe to this magazine, subscribe to that magazine, cable 150 channels, and he, the radios, he's filling us up so we do not listen to God. We don't know how to marry. We don't know who to marry. We don't know how to raise our kids. We don't know, we're, we're, we're an information age and we're the dumbest people upon the earth. Why? Not because we don't have access to intellect, but, but we're not listening to the Spirit of God. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon you, and it's a spirit of wisdom, and it's a spirit of understanding, and it's a spirit that gives counsel and gives you strength. It's a spirit of knowledge and fear of God, verse 3. The delight will be on the fear of the Lord. And we won't make decisions based on what our eyes see, attractive bikinis and sports cars and what the television is put. We won't judge by the sight of our eyes nor with the hearing of our ears. We will be led by the Spirit of God. We won't be a donkey with a carrot in front of it going 100 miles an hour and never get the, the carrot. We won't be the bull in the middle of the ring following that little red rag as they're killing us because we don't kill the guy who's holding the rag, which is Satan. He keeps on throwing little rags out in front of us and he's devouring our hearts and making us suffer and bleed slowly to an awful death. But God has come so that you might have life. John chapter 10, verse 10. The enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. The thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it large, abundant, huge life. Let's stand tonight as we ask the ushers and the musicians to come forward. We have the Lord's Supper here tonight. We've covered three verses in the book of Acts. Um, it was awesome tonight. We got, we got a full uh, meal in the spirit, and, and now we will prepare for the Lord's Supper. This is what the Lord left to tie us to his presence. We ask you that if you're not baptized in water after believing that you not participate.